grab me a beer and grab him a coat. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the show, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do, hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, talk shop, and reminisce about crazy old stories. I am sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Most weeks I will be joined by guests. This week is no exception. Coming in from New York City, all the way from Tampa, my good friend, comedian, podcaster, podcaster Jared Waters. Thank you for having me. Shout of out course. to all your followers back at home. Yeah. What's up, Florida? Florida's so, here, man. Florida and New York City. Florida Boys Podcast. Trust today. me, man. When I was when I was here, it was none of us. And now, now there's and now there's like tons of Florida comics here. I'm happy, man. Feels good to have like a sense of home inside New York, man. Absolutely. Uh plug everything up front. Let everybody know about your podcast, your shows, everything. This will come out in about ten days. All right. I got a podcast called One Man, One Tree in a Hill. It's a podcast about being alone for your own thoughts, and we're not doing that. We review One Tree Hill episodes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we do a free a free weekly show every Wednesday in Astoria Park at 7 p.m. It's one of the longest park shows running in New York City. It's called Training Day Comedy. And then on Thursdays, we have a show called uh, Comedy Night Live. That's in Casa de Meza Bar. And uh, uh, first and third Sunday is a show called Sunday Service at 12 a.m. at The Pair. And then every first Monday of the month, we have a show called Misguided Mondays with my friend Peter Garachi at the shop. You got so, a lot going on. I'm trying, man. I'm trying to have, trying to have. I remember when I came to New York. I remember not having spots, so I always want a place where I can always have a spot. If Absolutely. anything else happens, then you can catch me at the stand every weekend. Broadway Comedy Club, Greenwich Comedy Club, whatever, whatever club you can think of. I'm pretty much. I might be out. I'm probably there. At Eastfield Comedy Club. So yeah, just check my uh, Instagram, yeah. Mr. Waters. I definitely put out all my shows that happen throughout the week. We're gonna link everything in the yeah. show notes too. So make sure you check that out. Yeah. If you see a black dude on a horse, that's me. That is you. You yeah. are on a horse. That's, that's how to stand out. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you since you're new to the show. We've got you sent me the list of stories, which I really appreciate. We're gonna talk about that, but I, I wanted the audience to get to know Jared Waters. How yeah. did you? Because you've been in New York for a little while now. Been here five years. Yeah, and a lot of, like, I got here and everyone's like, oh, you know Jared, right? And I was like, nah. And they were like, yeah, he's from Florida, too. And it's like, it's a big state. Like, it's not. Yeah. But I want to tell everybody kind of how you got into doing stand-up in the first place. Like, when did you start? Uh, I started when I was 17, but I don't count those college years because I was definitely lost. You know? Yeah. College humor is completely different than adult humor. But I started when I was, like, young, 16, turning 17. Uh, I remember just always, I remember my dad came home with the uh, these Sanford and Son DVDs when we were like 10 or 11, and we would just watch them. All these Sanford and we just laugh all the time. That was like our time to bond. Yeah. So this is when like Napster was big. So I like almost wrecked our computer by just downloading all the red. I was like, oh, his name is Red Fox. So I downloaded all his albums, and I was listening to his albums, and I was telling his jokes at school. And then after that, like remember Napster used to suggest things? Then I was like, oh, Richard yeah. Pryor. So I downloaded oh, all wow, his stuff. Oh, wow, so you got it. And I downloaded like all of Def Jam. I downloaded everything. So like I was that kid at school just like throwing off jokes. And he was like, this guy's hilarious. But I was like using other comics. <laughs> I was just telling stories that I heard before. Have you ever heard this joke before? So like I downloaded all that stuff and then I was like, oh well, how do you then I got then we I remember it was like 
back in the day on VH1, they would just show random SNL stuff. And yeah. I remember they did like the best of Eddie Murphy. I was like, oh, freak, Eddie Murphy's a comedian? And then I like downloaded his stuff. So I would just watch it all the time. And then I remember just always wanting to do stand-up, but like couldn't. And then we moved. My dad was in the military, so we moved a lot. Like every three years, we bounced around. And I remember us going to, like when you move around a lot, like you got to be fast. And I realized being funny is the the icebreaker to wherever new town you're from. Absolutely. Because if you're funny, no one's going to bother you and everything else. You either fight them or make them laugh. Yep. And then... Um, Same premise when I would go to jail. But yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, and then uh, when I got to college, I just started doing, I was hosting like step shows and hosting everything else. And I met this guy named Whitey and he had like a comedy group on campus. And then we just all started this. Where did you go to college? East Carolina University. Okay, so you're a pirate. Yeah, home of Chris Johnson, Sandra Bullock, Vince McMahon. Tony Romo. McMahon. Tony Romo went to East Carolina. Yeah. No, really? I'm almost positive. No, he couldn't win to East Carolina. They would have put that inside there. I, what they say is like Sandra Bullock, Nia Long, and uh, Vince McMahon met Linda McMahon at East Carolina. Really? That's where they met. There you go. So they'll come and do shows and stuff like that, house shows. So when you went to East Carolina, you, like you said, you started hosting stuff, and that, that was kind of your path into doing comedy? Like I always wanted to do stand-up, but there was no clubs in like Greenville, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So there's nowhere to like get up. So like the open mics, you had to like be inside a group to host open mic. So like I did like, like I would like go find people like, oh, you guys doing like a music open mic? And I'll come and like do the jokes around my head or like roast the people on campus. So I was doing that. And then I found like a group of comics. Like we all do comedy. We do sketches. We do everything else. We do shows. I'm like, all right. So I like joined the group and that's how it like pretty much started. Okay. And so what, when did you go to Tampa? Like when did that? As soon as I finished college. So like my, we went back. So like when my parents were in Tampa, we'll go back home to Tampa, then do open mics and stuff like that. Because Tampa has a pretty, Tampa has a very good scene. Very good scene. In Florida, I'd say it's Orlando, Tampa, then Jacksonville. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I, probably Miami's in there too, South Florida. Yeah. I, yeah. Miami, they got a good scene. So when I finished college, that's when it was like, all right, it's stand up time. So yeah. I went there. I moved to Orlando. I moved to Tampa. Moved to Orlando. We do the Florida's funniest things. But I realized like I was, I wasn't there because I was in college. So I didn't meet a lot of comics until like i moved back for officially okay. so when i moved back officially that's when i met like rio cam like all the guys i came up with yeah so i was working at disney world for a while and so i was working there and then i met uh that's where i met ken preacher and justin and akeem yeah. and then when i lived in orlando and i mean there's a place called like taste comedy club okay not a comic it was like over my called taste and i remember like going there but like when you work at disney you work at nights and that's when comedy was yeah so then when i got back to tampa that's when i was like balls to the wall head down finally got into a club and then start hitting all the mics there okay and then when did you move to you said five years ago so you moved to new york in 2017 i can't oh, so it was almost six i came when trump was elected That's okay i came 16 i remember i remember when everybody was like scared i remember i remember when i was getting there because i was telling people like, oh he's gonna win and they're like what the freaking are you a trump supporter i was like i'm from florida but i knew like i drove up here and i drove past georgia <laughs> i drove past north carolina i drove past all, the all these states I past, he's gonna and win. i was like in pennsylvania i was like he's gonna win everything and they're like are you kidding me and i remember i was here in times square when people were counting down and then he starts she started losing hillary started losing all these she started losing all the states and i saw people crying people were breaking down crying on the train and i remember they had all this massive food because they're ready for a party so when they when she succeeded and said she lost it was just all this food and all these homeless people came and started taking food like donald trump gave us all this food oh my god <laughs> <laughs> And like Trump just gave us all this food. Isn't this crazy? What a great president. And they were just taking all this food around. And I was like, man, I remember like the scene just changed. Cause I feel like when you're in a, like Florida's not a red state. It's like a purple state. We're like a mixture of everything. Yeah. So it's just like, we have that ability to have conversation with people to the right, people to the left, people into the middle. And I remember like some people were having a hard time doing these red states because I was just like, 
it's it, I think the red states are the best places to do comedy because they pay for money they like they show out they want to have a good time they yeah. let you make fun of them everything else you just can't make them feel stupid yeah it's a great point with that's the same thing I've noticed is with a lot of times people are like the more people think that the red is the more sensitive because they're more conservative and they're more religious and it's like no it's it's a lot of the liberals that like the super far left leaning liberals that'll snap. I, I've said this before, I think on the show, but I did a show in Brooklyn. This is why I don't do a lot of shows in Brooklyn anymore. When I first got here, I went to an open mic in Brooklyn and I did a story that I, I tell a lot. It's one of my go-to stories. It's a very funny story. It's a true story. And when I got off stage, a woman came up to me, like a very young, very attractive white woman came up and she goes, you, you can't tell that story. And first of all, to say to a comic, you can't is yeah. already a big like, excuse me? Facts. So she goes, you can't tell that story. And I said, excuse me? She's you're perpetuating stereotypes. And I was like, how do you mean? She goes, because the gentleman in your story is, is a black man. And I said, well, I never say that. She goes, yeah, but his name is Tyrone and you do all this. So you're perpetuating. Why can't it be a white guy named Bill? And I go, because this is my friend and we're still friends. And that's what happened. There's a story. And, and she goes, yeah, but you, you just can't tell that story. Not in this climate, you can't tell that. And I was like, I'm never coming back to Brooklyn ever again. No, you gotta go back to Brooklyn. You, got, you gotta go back to Brooklyn. <laughs> but I had that same, like when I came to, like when we would go to Brooklyn, it used to be a crazy Brooklyn open mic called, it used to be at, oh, the freak, it's at a bar off Morgan Avenue. Uh, I forgot the name of the bar, but I remember, that it used to be like brutal, two minutes, there ah. like 70 comics there, and then like the first wave, second wave, then after the second wave, everybody would leave. So like if you're in the third or fourth wave, it's just like, what the freak? And some of it was like the, the comics policing the comics being sensitive. I was like, dude, this is not how the world is. Yeah. Like you go to freaking Tennessee, anything else, they want you to be raunchy, they want you to be like who you are, that's what makes you stand out as a comic. And I think sometimes it's just like we, like a lot of people think the South is racist. I think like, the reason why there's a lot of racial stuff in the South because everybody lives amongst each other. Yep. So of course there's gonna be a problem. This is your neighbor. You gotta say something. But in New York, everyone's kind of separated. Jews are over here, blacks are over here, whites are over here. You separate all these people so they're all like, the only time they really cross paths with each other is on the train. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I love that you brought that up because I will say things like playing sports my whole life and just being, like you said, we're neighbors. Everyone's, so I'll say things thinking like, oh, this is a funny joke, and I'll say it. And some of my friends will laugh, and then if I do that up here, I immediately get like, by comics, by comics, they'll be like, what? And I'll be like, yeah, that's like that's funny. And like me and Leo will hang out, and I'll say like the wildest stuff yeah. when I'm with Leo. And me and him are laughing, and everyone else is like, huh, huh. And I'm like, we're making jokes, because in my head, I don't even think like, I don't even think I, like, oh, you can't say it. Because I came up saying that kind of, like we all came up doing that kind I of stuff. I noticed when I got up here that white men had no confidence and that's the opposite of down south. Yeah. White boys down south are not scared at all. They make jokes, they have fun. But like here, everything, I'm the victim. I'm this, I'm this, I'm yeah. this. I'm a white male comic. I shouldn't say this, I shouldn't say this. I was like, dude, that is not how the boys, I came up with down <laughs> yeah, in right? I was like, when you listen to their sets, it's like, I was like, they're going balls to the wall. <laughs> and having, <laughs> so it was like that. Because it's all in good fun. Like we're yeah. all just making jokes. But I think like if you played a contact sport, you understand like when you played a contact sport before I played football, I wrestled, everything else, like it's, it, the locker room is wild. Yeah. Like you're going to get you're getting roasted by your best friend. Nobody's off limits and stuff like that. Well, and it's real. It's like Facts. this is real life. And it happens in comedy. I see it in the service industry where people will come in and like just be jerks. 
and then they pay with a credit card. I'm like, your name is on here. Yes. Yeah, like once I clock out, you think I can't find you? <laughs> like it's 2022. Such a floatable. But like, it's like, <laughs> like, and I have a whole bit about it. It's obviously funny, or it's not as aggressive. But like, I'm like, this is the real world. So when people get like upset about jokes, I'm like. I've been jumped before Thanks. in jail. Like who? Like what? Well, you got to think about it like this. These aren't native New Yorkers. You yeah, got to think true. about like the New Yorkers, like in the Bronx or anything else. Those New Yorkers are completely down for anything. Yeah. But it's just like a lot of people from New York are running from wherever state they're from. So that what like is New York really liberal, or is it just the people who've moved here that made that it liberal? Because yeah. as soon as you get outside the city. It's to the right, Long Island, Staten Island. You keep going up. Native New Yorkers you'll yeah. talk to, and they're some of the most. Uh, I'm like, they're kind of like in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I was like, so what is like New York is a cluster of like, even though it is a melting pot, it's like some of these people are bringing their pots from like you're running away from whatever you pour at home or anything else, which makes it so great because you're around a lot of different you're around kinds a different of cultures and everything else, and it's good to adapt and stuff like that. But I noticed that when I got here, I was like, man, some of these people are not native New Yorkers because no. the shows I've done in like deep in Brooklyn, like we do some East New York, these guys are like, they want you to do the raunchy stuff, they want you to do like that. And they're like, yo, come on, you don't curse at all? I was like, no, I don't curse. Was well, you okay? You, you say, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just don't curse in my All right, cool. Yeah, you were funny, but you didn't curse at all. I just noticed that. <laughs> but like parts of Harlem, like there's different type of rooms. So I just noticed that it's the the people who aren't from here. Yeah. And sometimes like when you're visiting a place, you have to come in like with a subservient heart and stuff like that like I know I'm not a New Yorker right but I've been here for like five years going on six years but I'm here to like still listen to be like okay even though I'm from the south I'm just like this is your culture I hear adapt to it but a lot of New Yorkers move down south a lot yeah. and that's where we get that's where we meet them yeah they all when they get in trouble they have to come and do stay at their grandma's house for like the summer and they're like working outside yeah and picking up cornfields and stuff like that I was like that's why I was like, I met this dude from Brooklyn named Drew. I was like, where are you from I was like, my mom sent me down here because I got in trouble in Brooklyn and he was like the hottest he's ever been he's sweating <laughs> I was like take all these freaking chains off man it's hot out here yeah. <laughs> he's never played football before we had him like playing football and he's like what are y'all doing I was like yeah take them Timberlands off man yeah it's like, also it's hot, it's hot out here that's another bizarre thing that I've it's has like playing division one football in Florida is is like a chip like you can use that chip yeah up here everyone's just like football yeah like we like baseball well I mean it's just that and that, basketball and I'm like yeah I mean I like sports but like it's football football is what we play I remember, I mean, I think I, this is the best analogy I can say about New York comedy, especially for like people down south coming here with no credits and everything else. There's red shirt freshmen on the football team. Those are the ones that are highly recruited, right? Yeah. You got the Juco players who already got game fame. You got the people without credits like us, walk-ons. Yeah. When you walk onto a team, everything you get is going to be earned. Everything you get is because they don't know what high school you went to. They don't know anything else. So you're like a shock to them. So everything you get is not going to be easy. They're not going to get you going to go to the open. I'm going to put you back to the bottom of the list yep. again. I remember when I tried, I walked on at East Carolina for like half of like the spring with a spring ball. They yeah. cut me in the fall and the spring ball, he finally goes, just come. And I remember it was 300 of us. And by the end of the day, it was 50. Yeah. 50. We, I saw it in high school all the time in Florida. Boom, boom. Within like, boom, yeah. boom. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. We would have, well, in, in high school, we would never cut anybody, but- I remember we had a, an awesome season my junior year because we had like 30 returning seniors. So like my junior year, we made it the furthest that the school's ever gone. Shout out Spruce Creek. Uh, the furthest they've ever gone in the playoffs. Like played Mainland, who ended up going to the state championship that year. Like lost to them in the third round. The next year, we had 180 or 200 kids all come out for the start of the football season for camp. 
By the time camp was over, we were down to like 80 kids. That was two a days. And yeah, man. Two a days, people throwing up and stuff like that. And it's the same thing in comedy. That's why I have a hard time asking to be on shows because I think of it like sports a lot where I'm like, well, I'm good. Like you see me at Mike's and I do pretty well. So like you ask me, but that's not that's not how it works. And Those mouths don't get fed. I think the, yep. the hardest thing is like swallowing that, that, that what you've established and just realizing that once you realize like, you got to swallow your ego a little bit and realize like the hardest thing is for us, especially people growing up working classes to ask, but that's what everybody else does. Yeah. And everybody I, just ask. The fact that I got on the show at the stand last night was because I finally was just like, listen, you need to just swallow your pride and ask. ask. So I just reached out and then Derek was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, Next month you're on it. And I was like, what? Dude, it's the hardest thing of just like growing up, you know, Southern parents are just like, nah, work hard, everything else, just close everything your mouth. Everything else will fall into place. Everything will fall into place until you realize a lot of things is just asking. A lot of people are like, oh, I didn't think you want to do my show. You yeah. Know? Like, didn't. Or I would just do like, get up to a show early. You get to a show early, someone's going to be late. Yep. Take the spot. Yeah. Someone drops, they see you a couple of times, like, all right, here it is, let's do it. Yeah. But yeah, close mouths don't get fed, man. My favorite thing was I uh, got put on a show kind of like last minute and I went and I did well. And as I came off, they were like, man, that was that was really good. And I was like, this was like a couple months ago. And I was like, yeah, thanks, man. They go, no, no, no. That was like, really? And I was like, you yeah, would you think I moved up here because like I was like, oh, I'm like a year into comedy. I think I can do it. Like I've been doing this a while, man. That's what I say. Like the boys, like I said, the most of Midwest boys and Southern boys are like, when you come up here and when you leave your family, like I left a house, you know what I mean? Like yep. I, like. And I had to tell some of my boys this. I was like, I have no distractions in New York. None. Nothing. Nothing. It's I was like, yeah, my, even my wife knows. It's, it's turbo time. My wife knows, like, all right, we're going, let's go to the show, everything else. So sometimes, like, when you're from here and you got things distracting, like, I can't make it because my mom's birthday is, okay, cool. I, can't. I was like, well, I have nothing to distract me. Yep. It's full. So, like, the pandemic was the best thing that ever happened to me. So many people left. And I was here. Yeah. And I was here. And it's just like, I can tell you that like many times I was being frustrated in New York until I realized like when I got here, I was like, nobody knows you. Yeah. Like in New York and like in Florida and like the South, like they don't teach us the business of it. We just are learning to be funny. Yep. In New York, it's like the networking is such a big thing. Like, I need to be at this show because this is a great hang. So people can know, oh, I'm hanging, but I'm somebody. Yeah. And I didn't know that in Florida. I'm just like, we're just trying to beat the, it's like a blood sport. We're like, oh, we got to be funnier. <laughs> we got to be funnier than the Orlando gotta guys. Bury we got to be funnier than the yeah. Jacksonville guys. Yeah. We got to be the best in Florida. Oh, Florida's funny is coming. Like, who's a, it's got to be a Tampa dude. Two yep. Tampa dudes have won. Till you realize, like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you said, I don't know, I think you said it before we started recording, but you're like, everybody's funny. Like, that's not... Everybody's funny. That's not what we're... Just... Everybody's funny. It's like, the who who's the one that's working on? Who's doing those little things that yep. makes them stand out, you know? And this is... Are a... you nice? Are you a fun hang? Are you a nice person? Do I want this person on my show? That's the biggest thing is that's a conversation I've had with a lot of people on this show, because um, it's mainly comedians. Uh, I've had actors and musicians and stuff on, but uh, comics obviously are just so easy to get to for me. And also it's like, hey, do you want to talk about yourself for an hour? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Of course. <laughs> um, but this is a conversation, a disagreement I've had with several people I've had on the show where it's the hang versus the mic scene versus the show scene. Like, so it's because my big thing is I've been doing comedy on and off for over a decade. So I've got my type five. I've got my 12. Like last night was a, a weird because it was the first time doing like a one of the biggest clubs in the world. So right. it, I, I got in my head a little bit, but like bar shows and stuff, those are, I've done bar shows with TVs on and the game on in the back. Like it's fine. Right. So I always tell people like, well, I'll go to, I go to open mics. If I have material I want to work on or new stuff that I'm working out, like then I'll go to mics. Like, you know, I'll hit three, four mics a day. But if I don't have anything new that I'm working out, 
which is an oxymoron because we always have something we're working on. But like, if I don't have anything new, I'll just not go to the mics and I'll go to the hang. Like if there's a big show and I've had people say, no, it's about hitting 10, 15 open mics a day, you know, at least 30 a week. Like you have to put in the work. And it's like, well, I've already put in all that. Like the work you're talking about, I've already done. Well, the thing is, is like, if you worked at a Walmart and, and you worked at a Walmart, accumulated all these hours and then you change Walmarts and nobody knows you, they're gonna be all like, all right, why are we making this do the manager? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's, it's a, like for me, I, I, feel, I feel like there's no right way to tell. There's no path to make yeah, it. Yeah, there isn't. There's no clear path, so it could work for anywhere else. But I will say this, I'll give you two examples. I know a comic who used to hang all the time. I never seen him go up, never seen him go really? up. Really? But he would hang at every place, right? And then he opens up for this big comic and we're in Long Island and he's bombing for 25 minutes until the owner walks up and he's just like, hey, dude, who, who is this guy? <laughs> and, 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 and then the headliner goes, oh, I, I, you know, I seen him hanging around. I thought he'd do it. And he goes, Jared, get up and do 15. Do, do, do about 20. Like this guy doesn't really. And then I asked him, I was like, dude, have you ever featured before? He goes, no. And I was like, what? You never featured? He's like, no, nah, we just smoke weed together. And I just asked him, can I open up for him? He goes, yeah. What? And I was like, so it's like the hang can get you something. Yeah. But I think that no one's going to tell you when to stop doing open mics. Right. When I got to New York, that's what I like. I watched this thing called uh, One Mic, and it was this girl named Suba Argonwell, like Suba, and she says she got up 15 times a week. 15 times. She's doing like 10. I was like, frick, she's doing that many shows. So when I got to New York, I was like, how do you do eight spots a night? How is that possible? So I realized you got to be somebody to do that. Yeah. So I was beating the mics the first year, beating the piss out of the mics. But I realized when as I beat the piss out of the mics, I was, I would hang out at the knitting factory on Sundays. I was like, all right, this is the place where we all hang. We do this on Sundays. And then I realized, all right, the open mics got me better to being sharper fast. Mm -hmm. You got two minutes to make people laugh, and I'm just me analyzing open mics. Like, oh, everybody's friends here. I got to be friends with these dudes or like try to have something and do them for them to actually stay and listen to me. Yeah. Everyone's listening because this guy is the, That's, who just their buddies. Did, this guy just did a TV show, everything else. Okay, so good. Then I realized like everybody at the open mic that I did open mics with, even though it was crappy, they started running shows. Yep. And as they run shows, they're looking for the people who did mics with them. So I think when you get to New York City, like even those people in my class of comedy, they might have not my experience, but they've been in New York City the same time as I've been. Mm -hmm. So we're in that set class because we all did the mics together. Yeah. So as you do the mics, it's a balance of the force. Well, you know, like now I, yeah. I can't do open mics because I'm too busy. You're now. Too, but yeah, you got too but much events, going on. But I remember when I did open mics because I couldn't get any spots. Yeah. I and couldn't. it's actually come full circle for me. When I first moved here, like we were talking about with the bringers earlier, when I first moved here, I was like, I have too much invested in this. I have yeah. too much pride, too much ego. Like I'm not doing bringers. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'll do open mics only if I'm working on new material. But now it's actually come full circle in the first year that I've been here because I wasn't getting spots when I first got up here. I was only doing mics. And I, it was kind of like beating me down because I was like, I know some of this material works. I've done it in yes. big shows and it's dying on the mic at the mic. But it's actually come full circle because now the mics have almost turned into hangs for me yes. because I have been going more and more and I am becoming friends with a lot of those people. So now when I show up, it's almost like a hang. And then like you said, they run shows. And now the next thing you know, it's like, hey, do you want to do the show? Come out. And it, it actually, when I first got here, I was so hell bent on like, this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And now after being here for a year, it's like, oh, I ended up kind of falling in to exactly what everyone else does or was saying to do. Strip yourself of everything. The hardest yeah. part is just taking off these these ranks that we developed in Florida that we've earned our stripes and realizing like these stripes don't matter here. Not up here. This stripe is about like, 
I've opened up for like several big comics, and then I was like, when I got to New York, I realized like, oh, they can't do nothing for me here. Yeah, they can't do anything. It's like, oh, I'm at the cell. What I can't? What am I gonna go to open mic? I was like, hey, you know where the places do open mics? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I think funny. I asked Jim Norton that one time, and he looked at me and goes, I don't know how to start this comedy <laughs> in New York City. He goes, I don't know. He's like, I don't know how to start. I, I can't. He's like, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know how to start comedy in New York City. I'm too far away. Too like, far that was, gone. That was the most right. honest thing. I remember Bobby Kelly told me one time, you move to Queens, get an apartment for three hundred dollars, just get a piece of bread and everything else. And I was like, this is not how. <laughs> this is this. I said, this advice is like outdated or to the eighties or stuff. But I feel like once once you just take it in your mind and realize, like, even though what I've accomplished. Instead of talking about it, on the show, it'll show. Like yeah. When you get on the show, it'll see your experience. They'll do everything else. But so much of it is just you want to be around people who all right, who work hard, the people they see rising up, the people do everything else. And I tell people before you come to New York, like try to get a credit. Try to do festivals and stuff like yeah. that. And once you do festivals, that's a credit. That's like you've seen them here. You've seen them there. But the open mics is important because that's where you're going to meet everybody coming up. Yeah. And the thing is, I used to think. Being frustrated, my fresh, my first, you know, fresh, my first year, thinking like, oh man, why all these guys not put me on with everything else? Like they only put their. I was like, oh, they all started with the mics together. They all. They only put their friends on. They all Time came up friends. with each other. Yep. So of course you trust the people that you've been doing comedy for four years with, yeah. Because you know this person's not going to drop the ball on the show, or this person, or they all start getting credits together. They all start getting managers together. And I was like, okay, this is their class. Yeah. So it's not that they're shunning me. It's just like we don't, we didn't come up with you. We don't know what, like, who are your references? I was like, I can't reference. <laughs> I was like, call up uh, the owner from Size. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he could be my reference. Next time you're in Tampa, ask. But just me, just like observing, that's me just observing the scene. I had to take, you know, like my dad's military, but I just observe the situation, see what's going on. Yeah. I was okay, I'm going to the show, I'm looking around. Okay, these people get the shows. All right, well, I'm going to go to a show where I see this person a lot so I could, like, okay, hey, how are you? My name is Jared. Oh, good to meet you, Jared. Good. I, oh, I see. Hey, you're at this spot too? Good. When they start seeing you more and more, and during the pandemic, I remember a comic, I'm not going to say his name, he's just like, I just thought you were hanging. Wow. And it is, there wasn't no disrespect. Yeah. It's just like, these are really big shows. I didn't have any type of credit at the time. Of course, that's why I'm hanging. Yeah. But when the pandemic happened, when everything was stripped to ground zero, it was just like walking on. It's just like two a days. You got the pads to one person sitting there. You're sitting there. You get up. You're colliding. Yeah. And I was like, oh, perfect. This is my world. Welcome to the swamp. Because I'm here. <laughs> this is what we do. This turned exactly to a swamp. And I was praying. I was like, yo. My, my prayer was like when I got to New York City, I was like, I remember like my dad he took it serious, but when he saw, like, I was like, in three years, I'm moving to New York. He goes, all right. And then, like, when it started getting to, like, July, when you moving? August. August? Started packing up my stuff, and he's like, oh, you're leaving? I was like, yeah, I'm out. And then after he's like, you got a job? I was like, no, I'll figure it out when I get there. And as I drive up, I get there, I get my apartment, everything else. Within two weeks, I find my job until I realized, like, yo, I was like, yo, God, just leave me like a baby, man. I was like, I just needed to be clear as day that I'm supposed to be here. And then as soon as everything happens, and I was like, I start getting, I start getting like more shows after that. I was hanging out at the right place. I got thrown up at like, like industry shows. I was like opening up. I was like, freak, it's happening. It's happening. Pandemic happens. And I was like, all right. So we're like resting for six months. Then I start seeing Park, like my friend, his name is Khalil Walker, did this show called Horseplay. And then he's just like, dude, I don't know any comics still doing. I see you doing Zoom shows, everything else. And he goes, somebody dropped out. I said, put me up. Let's go. And next year, you know, it was like, bam, 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 bam. I was like, F no, I'm not. And a lot of comics forgot, like, people have been inside for seven months, 10 months. You think they want to hear about your depression? No. No, give them the jokes that work. Yeah. And then the pandemic is just like, boom. And I did a show. Someone else like, hey, I got a park show. Boom. And then I was like, all right, we got to start our park show. So me and my buddy, Matthew, he wanted to start a park show. He wasn't getting up a lot. And I was like, dude, just start your own park show. These parks are free. <laughs> 
Start your own show. Instead of getting on everybody else's show, like the Take It Outside guys, and just it was like maybe 20 shows, and I was on every 20. To the point, like, even if you weren't in the scene, you'll see this name, Jared Waters, Jared yep. Waters, Jared Waters, Jared Waters, Jared Waters. Then it was just like, all the SNL people were there looking for spots. I was like, freak what? And I was saying, like, oh, Chris Red is on the show. Freak, put me up. He's like, all right, I need someone to do a guest spot. I was like, God, yeah. That's awesome. Then it was to the point now, I was just like, man, I was like one of the ones in the pandemic. And I would call all my buddies, like all the Southerners. Like, I come, like when I came, it was nothing but Chicago comics, everything else. So I went down to North Carolina for a festival. I told like everybody, I was like, you guys need to move now. Just we need to have strength in numbers. If there's more Southern people, we all can split shows with each other. We all can run things together. I told the Florida boys to come and they I all went to California. I got the memo. Cali- I was supposed to be up they here. They all went to California. Like I was supposed people. to be up here April 1st, 2020. Dude, and I- then two weeks before we signed our lease, March like 20th, we got a call. And they were like, yeah, your transfers are off <sighs> for work. And we're like, what do you mean? They go, there's a pandemic happening. Didn't you see? And I was like, no. But I mean, it was a blessing because... Florida was only, I was only out of work for six weeks. Everyone up here was out of work for 18 months. Yeah, and it made you realize like how much people were making in comedy. I was like, man, this is the most they've ever got is only from unemployment. I was like, man. So then I started analyzing people's, like not just like, just being obvious of like, okay, this is what the club pays. This is what everything else. And I just noticed like, okay, if this is what's happening in comedy, everybody wants to get up. So since everybody's getting up, it's only 40 comics in the scene. Yeah. So I counted them all. I counted all the shows and I started making a list of every show. So like when I got to New York, I didn't have a list of anything. And I was like, all right, what I'm going to do is I call it the map of the swamp. Every single day I go online like once a week. Every Sunday I go on and I look at who has a show, who has a monthly, who has a weekly, and I edit it. So when people come to town, take it. This is a list of the shows in New York City. Oh, wow. I said, I can't take you to the water, but I can show you where it is. I yeah. can show you. Like you can't drink. I can't get to drink it for you because I'm trying to get spots for myself. But look, this is how you hit up people. This is send a message, everything else. And it's just me realizing, like, I want to offer something to the scene so the scene can offer it back to me. Yeah. Because I realize, like, I'm just taking spots. It's like, oh, I need to start. I need to have a show. I need to have something where people come into town. Like, here. Yeah. Here's a show. You can only get back what you give out. Yeah. So I want to just give out nothing but love. And it's to the point, like, after the pandemic, my name starts circling and then freaking I opened up for Michael Chade in the pandemic. So that was That's amazing. Awesome. And after that, like, People's like, oh, this is turbo. This is it. Yeah. So I finally was like, all right, freak. Yes, freak. Yeah, it took a freaking a while. But I realized <laughs> yeah. that the reason why I had to take a while because this pandemic was good. It showed me how to hit faster. Like in Florida, we have this not a lazy pace, but we know when jerks work, we're throwing haymakers. Yeah. But in New York, it's just. That's the thing. And we talked about this before where it's like in Florida, we're given something that not a lot of comedians, especially up here, are given. And that's the benefit of time. Yeah. Where you can go up, especially once you're more established in the Southeast, you could just be like, hey, I'm going to go up and do 20. And people are like, all right, have fun. Yeah, let's do it. And up here, it's like you get like I was on the show last night and it was a book spot that we had like talked about. I had been on the show. But then there's a couple of drop ins. Now, all of a sudden you go from 12 minutes to six minutes and it's like, nice. yeah, make it happen. And it's like, oh, I thought like because I was on the flyer, I was going to do 15 to 20. And it's like, that's not how the, it works yeah, up you're, here. You're, you're spot bumped. I think one time is just like I, anything after like 1245, just be prepared. Yeah. You're going to get heckled. There's drunks inside there. And I was like, all right, this is about to be a Florida show. This is about to be a wild <laughs> bar show. So try to reel them in. So I think it's just being just being just be acceptive of everything, receive everything and realize it's not a slight towards you. It's just like this scene has been going on longer than we've been in. Yeah. So you just had to find a way to maneuver through the swamp. And the best thing is in the pandemic, it was just like every club was closed. So everybody was on the same playing field. There was clubs open, but it's just like like a comic like Sheba Mason, how she reinvented herself. She yeah. started a freaking three monkeys bar. It's a seven nights a week now. 
Yeah. She can get up at her spot seven nights a week. My Duke, Eric Branstein, he had like, it's just all these comics have a chance to like reinvent themselves. And then freaking Jared Schwartz started Mama's Boy. And then yeah. Mama's Boy started popping. It was like the hottest show in the pandemic. Then like these, all these park shows started popping up. So it's like a good time to just always like reflect and realize, okay, what am I bringing to the scene? What is something different? And like, I was like being in the military, like bouncing. My dad was in the military, but every time we met people, I was asking like, where are you from? Cause nobody's from. No, we all no, live in Tokyo. Yeah. We all don't. We're not from here. Yeah, I'm from Georgia. I'm from that. So I always remember where comics from. So I could be like, okay, you guys, y'all know each other. And every time comics will be around each other, and might not even know each other, but just sitting amongst each other. I was like, hey, do you know him? No, well, well you've done that with me yeah. a couple of times. Where you're like, wait, Introduce you're from him. Florida? He's from Florida. Do you guys know you? Yeah, dude, when I got to New York, I didn't know anybody, and I was be standing there in front of like all these people. No one would introduce me, so I was just be like the awkward guy, just standing there, just like. Uh, hey, what's that's why I love doing the podcast because it's something tangible so if like someone has a show that they run or whatever I'm like come on the show like let's promote the shit out of it let's, let's, let's do it um, I wanted to ask you because you did say you moved around a lot Yeah. Um, I wanted to get you did send me this list of stories I, you have two of your stories that you sent me are in other countries international stories yeah <laughs> we uh so when my dad got orders to Tokyo, we all left. We didn't know what it was. I remember my grandma was like, y'all going to Japan? Instead <laughs> <laughs> of in Japan, Japan. And I think it was, I think the story I sent you was. Uh, Ta- the girlfriend one. I broke into my girlfriend's house. Uh, her dad was, uh, my ex-girlfriend's house. Her dad was a, uh, he was a military dude. I think he, I, I think. Okay, so this wasn't a native. These are, uh, well, this is hard. It was on a base too. Like this is on a base. This is on an Air Force base. So like, um. <laughs> it was a time like one time she snuck me in but it's like this is a Puerto Rican girl so you know they'd be lying to their parents so uh <laughs> they'd be lying to their parents how old are you at the time when this is happening I'm like 14 I'm like okay. 14 turning 15 and I remember she told me to like to come over and I was like alright come over and then I was like it was like it was like 11 o'clock at night so I'm definitely gonna get a spanking cause I'm leaving my house whatever I catch the bus and when I get there we're just watching a movie alone and then her mom comes downstairs and I'm like oh freak I got like palmed up and holding her and her mom was like ah Mira, no, why is, she, why is he here? Oh, you know he's not supposed to be here. And, and she's like, Mom, it's okay. Go back to bed. And I was like, did you just send your mom back to <laughs> The freak, man. We're from the South. I was like, did you just send your mother back? This is wild. <laughs> so so the next time she goes, come over. And I was like, and this, we didn't have phones. This is like MSN Messenger. So yeah. you get the messages alert. Then I got to log out to make sure like that. So like I get there. Me and my boy RJ were up there. And I, I was like, maybe she's sleeping. But she told me to just walk through the door. So I like walk in. I'm like walking in, and it's it's like breaking an injury. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like walking in. I'm like walking through their. I'm like wa- walking through their house. Then I hear like some noise. I was like, oh, freak, that must be her dad. So I run out the house, and I'm trying like to do it softly, but I forgot my friend is upstairs because he wanted to come in there with me. Oh gosh. So, so, so he comes out like the window, and I remember her dad like walking up, and me like I had like a, I took my dad's flight suit, and I'm like in a green flight suit, and I literally laid down on the grass in front of him, and he walks over me. He, he walk, didn't see you? No, he didn't see me. He walks over me and goes, oh, I don't know. I don't know. He said, I thought I heard something. And then just walks back in the house and locks it. Wow. He and locks it. But it was like the wild, that's the wildest stuff that happened. I remember one time I walked in and my friend was with his girlfriend. Like we were just dancing, just dancing, right? And her mom walks in and she goes, why the freak are you in this house? And I was like, I had a, I was, and we go to the same church too. And she goes, <laughs> and she's cheating on her boyfriend with you. And I wonder like, oh, freaking, he's like inside her room and he like leaves off the balcony and oh goes all the way God. downstairs. And I was like, hey, uh, I said, I understand this looks bad, but uh, please don't tell my dad. I just, <laughs> I just got back on the football team. Please don't tell. Please don't you, your t- dad was really strict? My dad was strict. My dad, my dad and mom were super strict, but it was just like they tried to be strict, but it was hard because 
We lived in a different country. Yeah. We lived in a different country and they trusted everybody. Like we had all of our friends and stuff like that. So all of our, like if I think about like the friends I grew up with in high school, like I hadn't seen them more than anybody. I saw them like seven days a week. Yeah. For like the past three years. So we like bonded for real. So like they didn't worry about us like, who are these people? Because they knew who the yeah, people they, were. Yeah, you saw them all the time. So Did were, you, growing up in a military family, was there like a lot of, because I've had people on it talk about high school antics, like, you know, <clears throat> sneaking out, going to parties and stuff. Was that a big thing growing up in a military family? It was, it was wild. Was it really? It was freaking wild. See, I thought you were going to go the other way. I thought you were going to be like, no, I never, no. never touched anything. Like, you got to think about the like, people who like were in the military, like, uh, like in America, they probably got those stories, but we're in a completely different country. Yeah. Completely different country with completely different rules, right? Yes. Yeah, and so it's tell just like our that. parents would be gone for like, let's well, put times my dad would be gone for like, you know, seven months for TDY. Yeah. And then my mom's gone and we're just like, uh, parties at our house. So you guys were just, when it, did you start like doing that? Was that in Japan? It was, yeah. First it was my, once my brother started rebel, then I, I like strung. My brother's where, he's older than me. Okay. But like his type of rebellion was like disrespectful. I remember like my mom goes, we're leaving. Uh, you got because you're one of the nicest, most respectful people I know that I've met since I've been up here, and it's so funny to meet him. Being like, you're just like he was just disrespectful. The what? Like I tell people all the time, I was like, I'm calm now. I was like, but I lived a wild life. And Did like, you? I, like and now I'm like more reserved. Yeah, but I could part. So like, I remember my parents. He said, but I could part. My parents had their friend, a trusted person that they respected. He goes, our neighbor, his name was Mr. Dowdell. <clears throat> they asked him, like, hey, the boys are going to be staying with you. The girls are over there. They are not allowed to come into this house, everything else, and they got to stay with you. And my brother tells him, a grown man. And he goes, we're staying at our house, and we'll come over there to watch you. And he goes, what? He goes, you trust us, everything. My brother's like a schemer. He goes, you trust us. We're just going to stay at our house. We just want to show that we're responsible, everything else. Jared will come over and help watch your kids and everything else. He goes, sure, no problem. And the whole time we were throwing parties, raves, everything else. Really? It was the and then the point is the thing is the base is so small, so the words start getting around like Jared's house is open. So and <laughs> the then the house is open. So it was just like so it got to our base and it got to another base. So this other dude, like my boy went to he's like, Hey, you guys open? All right, we're coming to go get the Atsugi girls. That's like an hour away. These girls drove from a got a train, got a bus, and just 25 girls come out of like cars and just run into the house and then <laughs> the guy next door goes you gotta get these girls out he's like you could come on you guys are being disrespectful to your parents <laughs> you're being dis <laughs> disrespectful to your parents so you guys used to be wild it was wild it was freaking wild and the thing is it's just i say it like we're like mutants because like we all grew up in this life where we understood that like it was a lot on my mom like my, my dad's gone for like seven months and you're yeah. watching all these kids teenagers growing up so we always get in trouble all the time and it's just like there's only so many spankings you can get. Yeah. There's only, and my dad was raising millennials. Like, he grew up poor, but we didn't. Yeah. So in his mind, like, he's, like, trying to show us values. I'm like, we don't know what it's like <laughs> to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're good, Dad. There's always food in the pantry. He's, like, middle class. So he's, like, we're, like, upper middle class. He's an officer. So yeah. he's, like, lieutenant colonel. Like, well, I seen oh, wow. him. I seen him raise up. Like, I remember I didn't know, I understand how powerful my dad was until I was, like, working doing like a teen job and like this guy goes that's your dad i was like yeah he goes stand still i was like stand still and he walks and everybody's like this i was like what the fuck I was like, my dad has this type of power <laughs> yeah. I was like what i just thought he's just beating me i just, I just, thought, I just thought he was just spanking me for everything else <laughs> i thought he was just i was like he's like he's spanking me out of frustration he he was in charge of like 150 people of course he was like that so like he raises more like soldiers a little bit like yeah. strict and everything else and like as i got older i realized he was teaching me how to live in the South, but we weren't in the South. So how long were you in Japan? 
like four years. We were there for oh, like wow. four years. So you were there from 14 like, to 18? I was there. I was there in 2001. I was there when I was like 11. Okay. 11. And then after that, we went to the Netherlands. So I was there from like my eighth grade year to my sophomore year. And then from my sophomore year, I went to the Netherlands till like freshman or sophomore year. Then I went back to Florida. Okay. So, so when, because you're bouncing around a lot, I, I just want to, I think I understand this, but when you're on the base, you're going to like school on the base. So on you, the base. you're around a lot of other but military kids. We would go to other bases to play football and play basketball. So it's just like Yakota was known for having army, everybody. So like everyone came to our base. So these were like, we had like D1 players and stuff like that. So football was like people like came from Texas and stuff like that. So like football was very intense and stuff okay. like that. So like we would all leave in our schedule. We play other bases around Japan. So all okay. these other military bases, we would play Japanese pro teams and stuff like that. Get out of here. Nah, F yeah. We played Japanese pro teams. And Did you they, beat them up? Uh, nah, something. One time they beat the F out of us. These really? Like semi, yeah, F yeah. They were like blindsiding us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they beat one time they beat us like by like 30 something we were known for like Yakota's known for like as a powerhouse football team yeah but we would do all these scrimmages against like Japanese teams and uh, one time they just spanked us it was all in the paper that was the first time we've ever lost in like two years and this Japanese team they're like they're just talking trash in Japanese and blindsided us and stuff like that do you speak Japanese I, I can like like every world every country that we've been through I've learned like the natives so I can help conversations okay. and like like simple stuff what's the Netherlands they speak Dutch, Dutch. Look at that. So the, I Nether knew that. the Netherlands was more wild because we were not on a base. Oh, you weren't. We were and you're older the, now. We were with the people. So like the reason why Yakota was so wild is because everyone was our age. Yeah. We all knew how to get around each other. Everyone had cars. And we're part of like Rapungi is the biggest, largest club district in the world. And not saying that Japanese people, they just didn't know what black, well, they didn't know how black, old black people were. So we're just taking ID and like pass it around. They didn't know. Most Americans don't either. So they're just like, oh, these guys are like 18. They wouldn't even card us. They would just let us in. So we'd like yeah. be partying at 14, partying at 13, with all these like running stuff like that. So it was like, I lived in like Tokyo for real. Like we're like partying and stuff like that. We're like Tokyo Drift. We've all seen the movie. And we would just rent TLF buildings. So they're like temporary lodging facilities. Yeah. So we would just rent them and just throw parties there. And they would just like be abandoned. So wait, 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 wait. You'd rent entire buildings. They would rent. So it's like, so like when you first move into the military, there's, like, there's temporary lodging facilities where you live, right? Yeah. And there will be a whole bunch of towers. And when they renovate the towers, it will just be abandoned. But people who lived there would know the second floor, third floor, fifth floor is abandoned because they're renovating. So this guy goes, hey, the towers are open. Parties at the towers. So everyone will go up there. It would be like our hookup spot. One time I like opened the door. My friend said, hey. I said, oh, I didn't know you were here. My bad. I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know. So it's just like I say like the military kids are the worst kids because we're very intellectual. We're very smart and we know ways to bend the rules. And you're hyper-focused. You're hyper-aware. Yeah, hyper-focused. Like all my friends, like they could be like, I remember my friend robbed a... Uh, I think he robbed this Japanese store and took like over everything else. Like, how did you do that? And he's like, I did. And he's like that. And then I remember the Jap like if any person in Japan like grew around the military people, they don't like Americans. I agree. Like, I understand. We're wild. We're on the train. Yeah. But I remember this dude at our high school, he like took something. And the Japanese people got, they put like this button, they locked them inside there and they beat him with kendo sticks for like 30 minutes. And that was the most hilarious thing. <laughs> he's like, what? So he like they let him go after that. Hey, I watch wrestling. They I know those kendo they, sticks. They, they beat him with they beat him with kendo sticks. So it was just like everybody that got to this base were all we're all like mutants because we all understood like we everyone grew up in the same thing. We all are experiencing 
our adolescence together. Yeah. And our parents are gone. Yeah. Our parents are like in, they're doing TDY, they're doing everything else. We're like, all right, you, so I remember like my parents, someone stole my ID when I first got there. So my parents left to Korea and they literally met this person at church like, hey, can my son stay with you for five days? They're like, yeah, let him stay with us. Wow. And that's how I met like my best friends. I just lived at their house and we just, after a while, we started hanging out. We started talking about music. Yeah. Like, oh, you guys are from Georgia. I'm from, oh, I just moved here from this. Oh, I'm from Nebraska. And then we all learned about music and stuff like that. So it was just like the parties. We all played football together and then we all go to different bases and then go get the girls from the other bases. See, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see this coming because like you said, you're very clean cut. You're very respectful. You're, yeah. you're a true Southern gentleman now up here in New York. So I did not see the the party the parties of parties are back wild. in the day coming. It, it was it was wild. It was wild. The Netherlands was wild. That's because, what I was gonna say. So you moved to the Netherlands, and now you're not on a base. You're living at someone's. But house. everything is legal in the Netherlands. Okay. Oh yeah. Amsterdam when you're 15 that. and 16, you can do like we were at clubs at 16. They, one time we were at a party, and this it's weird. This military guy's party on high school kids, but he's like maybe. 28 he had to be way older than us yeah and he's like he's trying to get rid of his alcohol so he goes bring all these high school kids to party with him so i'm sitting like this is kind of weird right we're going to this <laughs> this is me just like notice i'm like this is weird like we're going to this dude's house to just drink and he's like a cop too he's like a military police and then next oh you know he God. goes if you're not of age everybody get out right now the cops are coming and then everybody's like wait Drinking age 16, we're good, we're good. <laughs> like everybody's good here. So we were just like partying. It was just like, we, everyone knew English there. Yeah. So like in Japan, it was like a, a language, but in Europe, everybody pretty much knew English. So like when I went to prom my junior year, I brought a Dutch girl. Did you? F yeah, she was way older than me. I convinced her to go. She's like, I think she was like 21 or something like that. I'm 16. I was like, look, this is like the American thing. And she goes like, oh, love. And everybody's sitting at a prom. That's like, not a lot of convincing. This is the American thing. And she's like, okay. I was like, prom. You know, they grew up watching American TV shows. Yeah. Like, it was a prom. So I'm like, I'm sitting there. It's a big and, deal. And everybody's talking like, yo, I was like, don't worry, how I bag that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so we're, we're going to phone parties, and I think that was the one. Like we had a we, yeah, you we, sent we me threw a... we threw I said Montel Jordan because. Montel Jordan came to do a concert in the Netherlands and he wasn't singing this is how we do it. He just kept he just kept singing random songs. So everyone started throwing ice at him and stuff like that. They tried to tip over his car and then we're like Whoa, they tried to tip over his car? Yeah, they tried to tip over his car. Like when people come to Europe, they're like reinvent they're like either their career is over or they're like coming here. So he like came. I was like, Montel Jordan, like he hasn't had a song in the nineties and he won't sing This Is How We Do It. He, this is how we do. he wouldn't do it. He kept singing new songs. We're like, hey, get to the get to the get the to reason the reason we're here. He was singing everything else. So then we left and go to a phone party. And this is when George Bush is in office. So a lot of people weren't too happy that Americans were around because like the war is happening and yeah. stuff like that. So we're at a phone party, we're like dancing and I'm like, we're, I'm like, have my shirt off. And this Dutch guy grabs me. By, I'm like standing on a bar. He grabs me by my foot and sweeps me off, sweeps me off. And like, I fall into the foam. Like, you fall into a foam. You can't see anything. Yeah. So like, I stand back on the bar. I start swimming my shirt like a helicopter. Oh, so you just got back up and. No, I, I freaking uh, Juventud Guerrero and flipped off and connected. <laughs> <laughs> connected with him. I hooped to Guerrero, flipped him off, and then all my friends start jumping. We start having fist fights, brawls, and everything God. else. And the thing about it's like when you're in a phone party, there's no winning because you're slipping the whole time. So everybody's yeah. like slipping all over the floor. And then you're like, I'm freaking out because the foam is over your head. So you're breathing in dishwater. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm freaking dying. I'm freaking, this guy's choking me out. And I'm freaking, I can't, over my head. I, I can't. I can't you can't, can't breathe. You can't breathe. I have him like in this. I have him in like a. Uh, I went to a Rear double leg. Choke, I'm like yeah. choking him out and stuff like that. And then I'm like, I'm biting his neck. And <laughs> I couldn't see. So I'm like biting his neck. We're like fist fighting. Then they like they just toss us out. They're like tossing us out and stuff like that. And I think it's it's always heightened because like the guys I went to the Netherlands with, we were just all uh, we're just 
we party every night. Every really? freaking night. Every freaking night. And it's like, imagine teenagers just drunk driving home. Like, I wasn't like a heavy drinker like that, but my yeah. boys were, and I didn't have a license, so they had to drive me. And I'm like, one time, I was like, I was like, man, I'm gonna I'm be sure, I'm pretty sure this guy drank war, way more than anybody else. And you're like, well, Mike's the only one with a car, so he has to drive it. <laughs> so he. So he has to drive us home. Mike's the only one with the car. So, so my parents were strict and religious and stuff like that. But I think in the back of they knew they were. I remember one time my mom called me and she goes, "You better be home in an hour." And I was like, "I'm in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not." My sister's like, "He's not even in the country. <laughs> he drove to Brussels before a party." And she's like, "You got an hour to be home." <laughs> and I'm like, "I was like, I'm, three hours. I'm not even in. I'm like nowhere near. I'm like three hours away." And I remember I came home at like one time my mom, she didn't even believe me. I, she, she, it was, the story was too crazy for her to believe me that I was in a phone party and I got in a fight in a phone party and I lost my phone. It sounded like I made it up. I lost my phone. Then when I got to the house, I climbed on top of the house because I lost my key, everything at a phone party. And my brother is like looking at me and he looks and he locks the window and starts laughing and I can't get in the house. So I go back to the phone party. I go oh my God. I go back and I was like, well, no one's opened the door. And my friend's mom was like, just stay here. And I was like, all right, we'll leave in the morning. So I got home maybe at like 8 o'clock in the morning. So like when I'm leaving the party, like in the Netherlands, the party ends at like 6 a.m. Okay. So like I'm leaving and I get home and my mom's leaving to work and I'm walking in. And she just looks at me. She's like, get out of my face. <laughs> she's like, get out. And she calls my dad. It's like, he got home at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, listen, you're not going to believe me when I. When <laughs> you're not going to believe this, but, but I'm yeah, going to go yeah. for it. But it was like random. It was like it was always just fights. It was just like. I, you don't you don't know you're a Republican until you're an American living outside of the country. Yeah, like I was very pro America because that's the only thing I had. Yeah, that that's was all. You. So you're like people are like, where are you? We're from America. Like we're from Florida. Like where are you guys from? Like oh, we live in America. It was like a bravado because everyone was just trashing on Americans that time. So you got to stand up. So it was just like it was us and the Canadians and the Canadians. Everyone loved them because they're like, yeah, they like party and everything else. But I remember there was times just like random bar fights and stuff like that. Well, it's the same thing with Florida being in New York now. Everyone talks shit, and it's like, like back up, man. Yeah, like, and you're just it's, Florida has given me everything that I've ever gotten in my whole life. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Though, like, the opportunity to like play college football, starting comedy, like that all happened in Florida. So, like, I understand that you're just you know a victim of your circumstance and your surroundings. So, like, if I grew up in Ohio, I'd say that about Ohio. But I didn't. I grew up in Florida. Right. So when people bag on it all the time, I'm like. 90% of below 95 is made up of like people from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Yes. Like, you guys all come to us. Like, yeah. get the hell out of here. My grandma was like, No, you're from Florida. Don't say people like that. You can't say the Netherlands or everything else. She's like, You, she's like, You, because I was like, She's like, Where are you from? She's like, You don't got a home. I was like, Florida's where I fell in love. Florida's yeah. where that's my, like, I love Florida. That yeah. was the best place. So every time we get off vacation, we come back to Florida. I remember we were in Tampa. We were downtown Tampa. This guy I met at the dentist. You were sitting? Ebor City and my buddy, I met him at the dentist office and we just became friends because I had a soccer shirt on. He goes, dude, come to my house, let's party. And I was like, What? Is, Wait, yeah. what? Yeah, that's what that's some How Florida old were you stuff. When this I was gonna be like nineteen or twenty. I was yeah. like, No, I was twenty twenty two. I just finished college. This was 21. After college yeah. And he's like, dude, like freaking she's like, You've been coming because they had to fix my I had a crown that kept getting effed up. So I kept going to this dentist office and this dude goes, I think you're freaking cool Spanish. I think you're cool, bro. I love the freaking soccer jersey, man. I have a party in my house. Who's let's your do soccer it. team? It was uh, Barcelona. Okay. So we're talking about Messi and stuff like that. So I go to his house and we're partying. And actually, no, we just start partying together all the time. And then <laughs> <laughs> we just party all the time. And then we're like hanging. He brings this girl with him. And uh, he brings this girl. I don't know if it's not his girlfriend yet. But uh, next thing you know, they start drinking and start partying. And next thing you know it, it's five dudes and just one girl. 
and we're just partying together. But she starts making out with his friend. And like I just met these guys, so yeah. I'm not here to say anything. But I'm just like, man, this this is wild, like everything else. And next, you know, they get in an argument. And she just sprints off into Tampa. She sprints off into by herself. Tampa. And then he goes, "We gotta get her." And I was like, "It doesn't look." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Dog, this does not look right." Five dudes chasing after this girl who's literally running away from you. Get her. He's like, you know, we gotta get her. And then I was like, because we, we drove her car. And I was like, I was like, I was like, we got her keys. I was like, let's just drive back, drive back. And then he looks at me and he goes, well, what the freak? What is she going to do? I was like, listen. I was like, look, man, Tampa has her now. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Tampa has her now, man. We just got to freaking leave. So that was wild. And the nights in Orlando were wild. And I think a lot of people don't realize how wild Orlando is because when we worked at Disney World, yeah. every six months, the beautifulest women from around the world come work at Disney World. Really? Yeah, so they do this international program. So I did like a college program, but the international program is like everybody from around the world. And some of them want to stay. And they're just part. So you're part of the most beautifulest people in the world. When you walk around Disney, they've got the name tags, especially yes. like Epcot and stuff. And that's like, it'll say where people are from. Facts. And when you go, it's so interesting. So for those of you who've never been to Epcot, you should definitely go because every different country you go into, they like bring people in from that country to work there. Yes. So they know everything there is to know. And even inside Magic Kingdom, most of them are all from different countries as well. Yeah. And they have just these giant party buses that pull up to your little place where you stay at, and then they just take you to party. Oh, really? Yeah, just take you to party. And then just me being observant, I was like, this dude's 45 years old, and he's driving a party bus. <laughs> he's like, I got alcohol, come on. Let's and go. Like, and I was like, how long have you been partying? And this girl's like, yeah, he was a, he was doing this when I was here 10 years ago. <laughs> 10, 10 years ago. So you just meet all these people. I think Orlando is the best place for anybody about to fit. Like when you're finishing college, it's like a purgatory to find out what you want to do. Yeah, so that's I'm like, a great I, way to put I, it. I was like, you're like, you can still party at the same time. You can still work on your resume and everything else. And then so, sometimes people like the bus driver. They they never, they never leave. They just want to party. So we all, like from the Netherlands, we all go to college and we all split. Like everyone leaves the Netherlands. Yeah. So we haven't all been around each other in like years. So my friend's like, let's go to Daytona Beach for spring break. 386, shout out. So we go to Daytona Beach and it's just freaking, it's massive. It's wild. Yeah. We haven't seen each other in a while. We I'm haven't from, been baby. from the Netherlands and everything else. You know, in Daytona, like hey, we went there when the Daytona 500 happened to be there at the same time. Okay. It's spring break and it's some other thing. And it's just like- PCR? Maybe it's, it's dude, it's, it's freaking wild because. So was this the people from the Netherlands? Were those the same people from the, uh, some of the same people from the base in Japan? No, 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 no. So they are completely different. The people okay. in the base in Japan, it's hard. Like we, I didn't know if when like your dad gets transferred, if, uh, so like a dad, lot of people so get transferred. So my dad starts working for NATO, right? He starts okay. working for NATO. So everyone in the Netherlands God, and Germany, so, NATO? but it's, it's connected. Yeah. So it's just like in the Netherlands, it's people from Belgium, Germany, in the Netherlands, all going to the same school. Okay. But it's not a school on base. It's an international school. Okay. So everybody is from different parts of the world. There's people from Portugal, everything else. So yeah. like we're learning all these languages and it's just, everybody's beautiful there. They're, they're just freaking beautiful. So so I was telling the guys like that I met, my best friend is from Ohio, and I was like, dude, why am I talking to American chicks when <laughs> There are plenty of them back at home. <laughs> so, so when you when you guys go to the Daytona trip, that's everyone from the Netherlands. Everybody from, from the Netherlands. School. Okay. So my friend breaks up with his girlfriend, breaks up with him. He's sad. And he goes, we all got to link up, man. Let's go to Daytona Beach. So and now is everyone do. living back in the States at this so point? So everyone's in different states. Okay, but they're all back in the U.S. Everyone's back in the U.S. Okay. Everybody's in college. We're all in yeah. college. Okay. So okay. we're all in college and like, let's do the Daytona Beach. And I was like, well, my dad's in Tampa. Let's go. That's not that far away from me. Yeah, we'll leave here on spring break. So I take my car. We go. And then it was just like, we're supposed to get like a hotel, but we had a two only two beds in the hotel. 
and there's 15 of us in the room. Oh, get there's out of here. 15 of us in the room. Do you room? remember what hotel it was? Uh, it's like a baby blue hotel near the beach. Okay. Freak, I forgot what it was. It's a baby blue there's hotel so by the beach. Hotels. But I remember they gave you like a uh, a band to get into the hotel. Yeah. And it's like the only five people can stay inside the room. So my boy from St. Louis, he's from East St. Louis Romance, he goes, let's go to Michael's. I was like, why are we going to Michael's? He goes to the craft section yep. and literally makes bracelets for like an hour and goes, we all got bracelets now. <laughs> we all got bracelets now. We all are good. We all are good. So he just made matching bands for everybody? So everybody goes inside there. And then um, I think, so we all get kicked out. We got kicked out of some club in Daytona Beach. We got kicked out of another one. Razzles, Razzle Dazzle. Razzles, yes. Yeah. Razzles. We got Razzle kicked Dazzle, out of- Razzle Dazzle, baby. Razzles is probably the best club we went to. Yeah, that's- every night- The only was, club. <laughs> We go to Razzles. Razzles was the funnest one. Yeah, we got to Razzles. Uh, my friend got kicked out because uh, he goes up to the <laughs> he goes up to the bar and goes. Uh, this this couple comes and like they go. Uh, hey, what do you? Oh, would you like to drink with us? And he orders nothing but like bottles. He orders tons of bottles and he points back to them and they wave and he puts it on their bill. He puts it on their bill. And I was like, uh. why are we? I was like, why are you leaving so fast? He said, like, we got to go. I was like, what happened? Because after the Netherlands, you know, his he got to the Netherlands because he got in trouble. So his mom sent him out there with his sister to, like, live. Okay. But he's still a goon yeah. from the Midwest. <laughs> he's still a goon. So these are all, like, unique goons from different places and stuff like that. So, like, we're learning about that. He has gold teeth and everything else. So we get kicked out. And then, like, we go to Daytona Beach. And then the last time, it's like I started teaching. So I started being I became a kindergarten teacher. And I was like, look, dog, we're all, like, 23. I was like, this might be our last hurrah. We're all graduating. We're all doing anything. Let's do one more. Yeah. I was like, all right, let's go to Panama City. I was hoping you are going to tell this story. So we go to Panama City. And we haven't seen each other in, like, maybe two years. Like, we took a break from Daytona Beach and everything else. But everyone's hyped up because they know this is the final this spring. Is this is the final spring break. So what happened was, like, I tell my boss at the time, I was like, hey, do you mind? I'm feeling kind of sick right now. Uh, can I get a substitute teacher? She goes, fine. You never miss. This is your first year. You're doing great good. So what happened was inside my bag, I had $20,000 of fake money in there because I was teaching the kids how to count money. Yeah. So at the time, I was like, I'll just put it in my bag real fast because I forgot I had it in there. So my boy from St. Louis looks at it and goes, oh, where's all this money from? I was like, it's fake. It's not real. He takes real money, wraps it around in bands, right? And gives everybody I a stack. I think I know where this is going. Everybody gets a stack of 5,000, right? And we're just sitting there just flipping, just throwing money up in the room and it's fake, so he wraps it up. So first we go to some, I think it's like a strip club in Panama City, but we went at like 10 o'clock. So these are like the B-team strippers. These weren't like the... <laughs> These weren't like the A-team and everything else. So next you know, they invite us. My boy's like, what's like a long line? He holds up the stack of money. They go, let these guys in first. So they let us all in because they think we got like 20 bands. Yeah. And then he's throwing around there in private rooms and stuff like that. And then this girl turns on the black lights. And she noticed that the money's not real. And she starts screaming, these got counterfeit money. They got fake bills. They've been throwing fake bills and stuff like that. So the bouncers come. They grab my friend by his neck, start tossing them out. They start grabbing everybody else. They start tossing them out. And then I'm just like, hey, uh. I stopped drinking. I was like, listen, man, you mind if I grab some of this money? This is for my kindergarten class. <laughs> and he grabs me by my neck like this and starts laughing and pushes me out. He goes, dude, he said, you're lucky we didn't call the police, but this is a hilarious story like this. <laughs> So they kick us out, and so everybody. This is for my, hey guys, 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 seriously, this is for my kindergarten class. He's laughing, and then we go to another club, another club, and my friend, uh, 
this girl invites him to the bathroom and he's walking with her and then another girl's get out of the bathroom so the bouncer grabs him he throws we all get kicked out of the club within it was like 12 of us there and everyone got kicked off at different times it's just me since i'm the sober one like i'm just watching them all get kicked out at different times <laughs> they all get kicked out one dude he took a bottle and just crashed it together because he's drunk and then he leaves and then the bouncer goes hey man do you mind not taking pictures and he goes hey man good job Way to do a great job. Way to do your job. You're a really good bouncer. I hope your mom's proud of you. And he gets tossed out. God. And he's like Broly. He was playing he's playing the University of Cincinnati. So he's just seeking ripped and stuff like that. Yeah. So we got kicked out of every place. And the last place is this place in Panama. So you're City. saying this is so throughout the course of the night you we guys get just kicked keep out getting, of get kicked out of okay. everyone. So we're at the final place. The final place is this, I forgot in Panama City, but there's a pool at the end, at the bottom of it. You ever been to this club? No. There's a giant pool at the end. So there's like three levels. And at the bottom level is there's a pool. And they got like go-go dancer where the girls are dancing, right? Okay. And everyone, they're like, you know, they're still, and I convinced my friend, I was like, hey man, I I think that's your ex-girlfriend who's a go-go dancer. Just messing with him? Yeah. And I was like, you should pick her up and toss her in the pool. No. <laughs> and he's drunk. He's drunk too. He goes, I, that's not my girl. I said, I just talked to her, man. She said, that's her. I just talked to her, man. We haven't seen her. <laughs> we haven't seen her since the Netherlands. You should just pick her up and th- suplex her in there, right? She just and, happens to be in Panama City now. And he goes, he goes, really? I was like, yeah, yeah, because we've been meeting girls all the time. Yeah. He walks up and grabs her and he's like, she's like, she's like dancing, laughing and stuff like that. But he's at a pool and he picks her up and tosses her in, right? He tosses she, did, did she go from laughing to like screaming she at She was any pissed. Point? She was so pissed. She had all his makeup on. So yeah. she was pissed. So the makeup's there, right? And all the bouncers, they see it. So they jump in and start beating him up. They start beating him up in the water, right? In the water? In the water. They beat him up in the water. Then my buddies jump in the water to help him out. Now I can't swim, so I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I can't swim at all. I'm just like, oh my God. And then I feel in my pockets like freak. And then I feel I have the last five thousand dollars and i throw it up in the air the fake money and then it goes into the pool and all these spring breakers jump into the pool chasing after the money so they all jump into the money and then they finally get us out and they took our pictures it's like a club where they have all five of us taking pictures it's like you're banned for life banned for this banned for life wow it's banned us for life and i was like man this is the wildest funnest time but i realized it was only amped up because we haven't seen each other in a while yeah and we realized like in the netherlands it'd be a regular day Nobody cared. Nobody gave no. Nobody gave an F what happened and stuff like that. They don't arrest you. They're just like, oh, they're Americans. Just let them go back with their business. God, so it was just like. Intense. So it's like when I get with them, I was like, look, I just stopped. I think it was like. Do you still hang out with them? Uh, like when we ever cross paths, like my boy Romance, he came to New York and we went to like the Statue of Liberty. But they like oh. we all talk like every day. My boy Sasha, everyone else. That's awesome. But, like it's we're all from this era where we all remember being Americans in a different country, us partying, doing everything else. Then after that, I think I stopped drinking. And it was just like I just didn't like the feeling of just not knowing. Yeah, because you don't. Going. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, drink I wasn't anything. really like a big drink. I was like a social partier. Yeah. But then after that, I was like, look, man, we got kicked out of a club. Like they, they, I was choked out and stuff. <laughs> this is not fun anymore. <laughs> I remember this bouncer tried to super kick me. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. We're at a, a, a club in the Netherlands, and my friend was taking pictures because we had we just it was our second year of college, so we haven't seen each other. We're taking pictures, and he thought we took a picture of a private room. So he walks up and grabs my friend's camera and he takes the memory card out the camera and gives it back to him. So my buddy goes, no, he took my memory card. So he goes back into the room and they're trying to jump him. So we break into the room and we all just start brawling, right? And we're like over like a ledge. And this guy super kicks me. Like he, I don't know why he tried to super kick me. I was a bouncer. He like, and I caught his foot. And I kicked, <laughs> I 
Did he just try to super kick me? <laughs> just I'm look like, him right in the eye. Did you just? I'm like, I'm a two-time wrestling champion. I know exactly what I'm doing. We go to the thing. We go to the ground. We start wrestling. Then I remember my buddy. I think my buddy. He walked up with his open hand and he punches him in the mouth. God. He like busted his lip. My friend's lip is busted. And then he tries to drive off and he's drunk and he drops. You know those little humps inside that in the parking lot. Yeah. He drives forward and his car gets stuck God. and he can't get his car out. So I tell anybody, like anybody that lived in like Europe, that Europe phase, it is partiers. And like yeah. Dutch people just like to party because everything is legal. Yeah. So they don't care about what's going on. Dude. You could literally see someone doing stuff and they're like, oh, whatever, everything, who cares? This is the Netherlands. This was awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming no, on. Thank you for having me. This was, this was a lot of fun. Promote <laughs> everything one more time. Uh, all right. My name is Jared Waters. If you're on Instagram, it's Mr. Waters. If you're on uh, social, oh yeah, I said that. If uh, if you're in Astoria Park every Wednesday at 7 p.m. in Astoria Park, it's not raining. We're in the park. We got cupcakes, tamales, popcorn right next to Astoria Pool. Yep, my lady makes cupcakes, tamales. So Southern show, the whole park show. Uh, first and third Sunday, Sunday service. And if you're on, uh, if you like podcasts about self reflection, it's one man, one tree in a hill. It's a podcast. We already said what it was, but yeah, come on the podcast. It's fun. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, Brennan T Comedy on all social media, BrennanTComedy.com. Uh, shows coming up around New York. Check out the website. Also, check out the merch, Brennan Tassif on Patreon. And we'll talk to y'all next week. Ooh, Sabon. So